Um, I've entitled the message is really part two of understanding our purpose, the vision that God has for Connections Church. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, these are incredibly important and significant days on planet Earth. And in this great nation of ours called the United States of America. And Lord, uh, it's important for each person, each Christian, and each church to more fully understand and align with and yield to your purpose, your vision for their life or for their ministry. So Lord, we come from all varied backgrounds and likes and dislikes and maybe even political leanings, and but we're the church. We're the body of Christ. We're members of the same household, the, the household of God. And so, Lord, I just pray that you'll use this word today, not only to help us maybe more fully crystallize what your purpose is for our church, but but how we fit. And, uh, and you can use this message any way you see fit. We just thank you that you're here, that you love us, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us. And for whatever sovereign reason, you have us on the planet today. You have us in America today. You have us in Fort Collins today. You have us in this church today. The mind of the man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So teach us by your grace and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I do believe that everything was created with a purpose in mind. And when we begin to understand the purpose for which something was created, it's very important and very significant. Here last week I used this same illustration. You've heard it many times. This, if you can see this, this is a, a, a pen, a writing utensil. And I've said that uh, this was created with a purpose in mind. But if you didn't know what the purpose was and you picked it up and you began to utilize it like a screwdriver... There are two things that normally happen. One, it won't work because it wasn't created for that purpose. And number two, the more that you force it to try to make it be what it's not, you'll probably break it. And that's what I find so often in human beings' lives or maybe in marriages or families or maybe even our nation or maybe even churches. If we're not really clear on the purpose of something, then it really doesn't work. And the more we try to make it work through our human energy and effort, oftentimes we break it. And then we wonder why. It's because we didn't fully understand its purpose. What's, uh, what's your purpose in life? I've said that, and I don't have a scientific study, but I would say that Probably seven out of the ten people I've asked that over the many, many years I've been in ministry. What's your purpose in life? Seven to eight of them can't tell me. And you know why I can tell? Is because they will go uh, and they'll roam and they'll talk for five minutes. Meaning they don't have a clue. And I really believe that if you're going to live a successful and fulfilling life, you have to understand the clear purpose for God's creation of your individual life. So now, what's God's purpose for Connections Church? 
We've been going a little over three years, and as most of you know, we had kind of a unique start, which most churches do, but but what's the purpose? And I've been praying and seeking the Lord over the last five or six months pretty significantly, and I'm going to begin to reveal that. I did a little bit last week. I'm going to talk a little bit about this week, and then we'll jump more into it after the first of the year. We want to enjoy the holidays, but, but uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I believe the Lord is beginning to reveal what His plan and purpose and vision is for our church. Understanding our purpose as a church defines our vision. And you've heard me say, if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. I believe without purpose, people or churches live as prisoners to their own vanity, their own foolishness and their own pride. If you don't know your purpose, you just kind of go astray. You just do your own thing. But if we aim at God's purpose for our church vision, we can and will impact the world in a relevant and a dynamic way. Because I'm beginning to catch, uh, I think, God's uh, purpose and clearer vision for Connections Church. It's my role and my responsibility to begin to direct us uh, in a little clearer way, uh, to aim at that bullseye, at that focus. And so it's uh, my job to be on my knees and to pray and to seek the Word and, and uh, to do a little bit better job so that we're aiming at that bullseye. If you're here today and you weren't here last week, I talked a little bit about my journey, a little broader journey, but even in regard to right before we launched uh, Connections Church, if you weren't here, I invite you to go out to the Connections table and, and sign your name and uh, next Sunday we'll have a tape for you. So I'm not going to go over that journey uh, today, and I'm not going to go over too much about, uh, I talk a little bit out of Proverbs 29, 18 about vision and and what it is and what happens when an individual or a couple or a church don't have real clear vision. Uh, A lot of negative things can transpire. And again, I'm not going to share all of that today, but if you missed it, feel free to get the tape. What I want to do today is I want to spend a little more time on uh, on this whole word change. I mentioned to you that um, when I began to talk and, to God and ask about His vision, and, and I kept hearing this particular word change, I wasn't quite sure that I really registered with it or uh, I was really in agreement with it. You know, God usually counsels, asks me my, my thoughts on much, much about what's going on in our world and, and seeks my advice, not. And... Um, but I grew into it, and I, and I felt like he confirmed that. And, and so you'll see that. Hopefully, did everybody get uh, today a sheet? You did last week. Did, everybody has a sheet here today so that you'll have it, and you'll be able to take a look at it. And again, I'll clarify, like I had mentioned, uh, I've been in ministry a, an awful long time. I think I'm going into my 39th year. I just went in my 39th year of ministry, full-time ministry. And I realized that it takes time. Uh, for vision to really get established and, and get ingrained and kind of become the DNA and the culture of any church. So I'm certainly not saying it's like a light switch and we'll, we'll just get it. But what I'd like to ask you to do, if, if you feel like this is your church and God's called you here and you're committed to that, that uh, you'll be able to take a look at some of that, uh, put it on your refrigerator or uh, your bathroom mirror, and I'm sure none of you will do that, but... Um, uh, start to learn it a little bit. Start to look at it. And again, we're just hitting it now and we'll hit it more after the first of the year. But uh, I believe, again, that the Lord gave me the, uh, the theme uh, change. And so uh, we have 
who told me again? Is this an acronym or an acrostic? I should know by now. Huh? Ronaldo, what is this? An acrostic. I've got to learn that. This is an acrostic. So uh, I'll go over that real quick. C stands for connections. H for healing. A for authenticity. N for networking. G for generosity. And E for encouragement. And what I'd like to do is just talk about that briefly with you today. I don't have it all down. This is all new. You know, it'd be easy to go back with my 38 years of experience and just kind of lean on everything in the past. And yet, how many of you know that God says that you were being uh, transformed from one stage of glory to the next? And so I'm really not, this is nothing that I've used ever in the past. It's not something I can pull out of the file or, or from a different church. This is brand new. And so I'm learning, but I'm going to share a little bit with you today. I believe that in me and in, in all of us, it's going to grow over the months and over the years. And again, we'll talk more after the first of the year. But I just want to give you some tidbits, a little highlight, a few things that I'm thinking in regard to these right now so that we can at least start thinking about them a little bit. First of all, the word connections. Does that sound familiar? I think that's what we called Connections Church. And uh, you would ask me, well, why did we strategically name it Connections Church? And I can just tell you, I have no clue. (laughs) Again, uh, not to sound super spiritual, um, but we were thinking about it. Many of you know that about 10 years ago, I created a ministry to pastor pastors and consult churches. And I was traveling around, and many of you know that. 75% of my time and my pay was being gone, ministering outside of the local church. And uh, our, the ministry that I created then was called Life Connections. And so it just came to connections. And I think it's more strategic. If you leave it up to me that, that somehow by my intellect or by my skill or by my ability that I'm going to be able to figure out the plan of God, uh, we're all mistaken. Uh, I, I just kind of try to hear God and then walk into it and then let him, you know, take care of the rest of that. It's not without thought and prayer and, and uh, some type of... Uh, hopefully wisdom, but I'm not smart enough. So I think this is going to be uh, interplay even more as the days go on. So this is a little uh, few uh, words that I wrote about that, and you'll see that on your sheet. Human beings were created for relationships. Connections. We were created for connections. Our focus is helping people find and develop authentic and positive relationship with God and others. We don't have that scripture on there today, but I, I'm, if you have your Bible and you want to go to Matthew chapter 22, uh, all the verses today will not be up on the PowerPoint, but they are in your Bible if you want to go there. Matthew chapter 22, this is about connections. Matthew 22, verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, obviously they're addressing Jesus, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hangs all the law and all the prophets. Do you see connections there? I do. 
One of the main purposes of our lives, of our faith, of our church, is to focus on, to mature in, and to grow in the great commandment. I believe every Christian and every church should have a great passion to grow in love with God and love with others. It's amazing how we can get detoured and sidetracked by a million different things. In the last six months, I get all these articles about church growth and how to make your church grow and all the programs and all this and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what seems to be void of that? Hardly in any of those articles do I see people say to grow in love with God and love with others. And I'm going, are you serious? We, we, uh, we major on the minors and we minor on the majors. And so I think it's very, very important at Connection Church, part of us in, in being a community of change and connections is that all of us have an opportunity and a responsibility to grow in our love for God. I can't do that for you. I can't make that happen. I can't be with you all through the day. It's got to be a desire and a passion that He puts in you. And guess what? As much as we can gather together, I can't put inside of you a love to grow uh, with other people, other Christians, and a lost world. I think, this has been on my heart, I don't know, somewhere along the line next year, I'm going to preach a message on heaven and hell. Because I wonder sometimes if we're what I call practical atheists. Do we really believe people are going to hell? And do we know what that looks like and that means? And if so, I'm preaching to myself, do I care? If I really believe there is a place of eternal darkness and punishment called hell, and people are going there without Jesus Christ, do I care? That's not guilt. But it it does be something that confronts me. And guess what, friends? It's not just about us coming in here and learning to love God and love each other even more. And I want to see that. The Bible says, love one another deeply from the heart. The one thing I find that, you know, when we have a rented facility and we're just here on Sunday morning and we can't get it that much, sometimes there's maybe not that love interaction. When you have a building, you know, you can all the programs and you can meet there all the time. And there's more opportunities to love one another. So I want us to do that. But you know what? We can't do it just in here. They've got to see us out there loving God. They've got to see us out there loving each other. They've got to see it out there, us loving them. You know this, and I'm probably going to preach today. I've got to get going. But we've got, we've got so much hate uh, language being uh, thrown on each other's political side. You know, the antidote for hate is love. And you know what? Nobody's going to be able to love with God's kind of love unless they're connected to God. And so this may be the greatest time for the church and Christians maybe in a long, long time. Is that we express love. So connections. H stands for healing. Contained in the message of Jesus was this truth. He came to heal broken humanity. This involves the spirit, soul, and body. Our focus is helping people find greater healing and freedom in all of these particular areas. If you turn over to Matthew chapter uh, uh, 4, Matthew chapter 4, 
Matthew chapter 4. If you have Bible tabs, you're probably there before the rest of us. And the others, you just have to find your way. And if you can't find it, go home. This is a little Bible study. I keep saying, it's not what you do on Sunday morning. And you hear on Sunday morning, it's what you do with it on Sunday afternoon or through the week that makes the significant difference. But uh, Matthew chapter 4, uh, in verse 23, listen. It says, Jesus went in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, period. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible doesn't have a period there. That seems like maybe a little more of an American thought perspective. Jesus went about teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel, and healing. Did you notice that? All kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. When we get to next year and we talk about healing... There are so many passages, and I know you from A to Z, everybody's got their different view of what uh, uh, healing uh, means and, and in this modern era and, and how that's applied and what's practical and not. And we'll talk a lot about that. But again, folks, let's not get too sophisticated. The Bible says Jesus came preaching, teaching, and healing. If you know anything about his life, his ministry, his mission, his job description, one of the top priorities was healing. Listen to me, please. Jesus is the healing of God for broken humanity. Jesus Christ, let me repeat it, is the healing of God for broken humanity. And again, I'll get a little theological on you, but... Uh, most theologians, most believers, most scholars believe that we're triune beings, meaning triune, meaning three, that we're spirit, we're soul, which is the mind, will, and emotion, and we're body. And what I think the church has done a good job in is that we've taken up this whole idea of healing spiritually. We're trying to be, bring people to an understanding that we're all uh, all fall, uh, sin and fallen short of the glory of God, and that there is no salvation and no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved, but the person of Jesus Christ. So we want to lead them to an encounter with Christ so that they can be born again, become a Christian, and obviously then have their, uh, uh, if you will, probably a crude way to say it, their ticket to heaven punched. But we do a pretty good job. But I want to say, from my perspective, we've dropped the ball pretty much on the other two dimensions of life. I don't know a whole lot of people are really focused on bringing healing to the, the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. I do know there are some churches that do celebrate recovery, and there are some different things that are going on. And I celebrate that, and I rejoice in that, and we need to be able to do that. And, and it's no secret, he's allowed me to tell it, many of you know it, uh, uh, my oldest son two years ago went through rehab. Broke my heart. One of the hardest times of our life, to send our son away for a month to, to realize that he had an addiction. But you know what, when we went up to Harmony at Estes, I fell in love with those people. It wasn't just the Spirit. It was their mind, their will, and emotion. And I don't know what God's going to do, but you know, there's a part of me that says, you know what, I don't want to just play church. I don't want to go through church. I want to find people who are, are broken and hurting in the mind, the will, and the emotion. And I want to bring the power and the love of Almighty God through Jesus Christ and help them find deliverance and get set free. Amen. And, and be praying for Him. My son is almost two years sober. 
And, and I'm praying that that will be a lifetime for him. But I won't even go a step further. I, do you care if I preach today? Where's the healing of the body? Oh, I know. I know. I've been in this a long time. We got all kinds of theological beliefs about healing. And we won't go all through those different camps right now. But I believe God wants to heal bodies. Thank you. And you know, myself included, sometimes I've just gone, oh, hell, you run off to the doctor. There's, don't get me wrong. I, I, I know doctors. I like doctors. And I run off to them too at times. But I really believe that the church needs its power of healing of physical bodies again. And we can talk about all the theology that we want to about that. But I believe part of what God wants us to do is be a church that helps people connect with God in a deeper way to grow in love with Him, grow in, in love with other people. And I believe God wants us to be a healing place where people can come here and go, you know what, they don't just talk over there because the Bible says that the kingdom of God is not about talk, it's about power. Where's the power of Jesus Christ to come not only heal the spirit, but to heal the mind, will, and emotion, and to heal the body? You know what, there wouldn't be enough room in this place if there was a power and a presence of God where people could come and you know what, and I'm not guaranteeing, we'll get into that, I'm not guaranteeing that everybody's going to be healed all the time, instantaneously, and it's going to be a show and a circus. But I am saying, where is it? If I'm sick, I want some of you to lay your hands on me, we'll talk about spiritual gifts and other things, I want you to lay your hands on me and help me get better. And we'll have some testimonies. Lou shared a testimony with me a while back. It was incredible about a shoulder. And I, he'll tell you more about it. And God healed him. Now, I, I've been with hundreds of couples that, uh, that, that people haven't been healed. I've watched people die in the hospital beds and in, in rooms. I've been there with them. And so I'm not going to tell you that we have all the, the theology, but I still really believe God wants to do more healing than we're, we're focusing on or allowing. And I believe it's a part of the change, community of change we are to connect and also to emphasize the healing of, of Christ, spirit, soul, and body. A, authenticity. Authenticity. One of the greatest criticisms of Christians in the church is they're hypocrites. Our focus is to shed the trappings of religion and to seek to become as real and authentic as possible. If you turn over to uh, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You saw what I learned in Bible college. <laughs> John, uh, John 13, 35. We're talking about authenticity. John 13, 35. By this, all will know, not only in the church, in our neighborhoods, in our community, in our workplace, in our world, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that could bring the whole description. I'll talk about it next year about love and how do we really love and what's some of the practical aspects. But let me say this. The word authentic means genuine and not fake. One of the truths about broken humanity, listen to me, is we're all flawed and we're all marred. I don't care how good you look on Sunday morning. You can wear your tie. You can wear your jeans. You can smile. 
You can have your teeth whitened. You can have a full head of hair. Uh, whatever it might be. But we're all flawed and we're all marred. And so broken, flawed, marred human beings try to cover up or cover over or hide from who they really are. Do you think I want to stand up here and tell you the worst of me? Do you think you want to talk to one another and tell each other the worst? That's why they call, we get in silent. And that's fine. You know, these people that I learned and and connected with up at rehab, it's because they, they began to live a dual life. They couldn't really be transparent or authentic or honest with anybody because they wouldn't be accepted because they were marred and they were flawed. And they didn't want anybody to know about it, so they would escape privately. We all do that. There's not one of us in here that's not a human being, that's not flawed, that's not more, that doesn't want to cover up and, and, and cover over and hide. We don't want anybody to see the very worst of us. We want to put the best foot forward. We want them to, to look at us and go, yeah, that, that person's got it together. But I want you to know that when we cover up, we forfeit our ability to be authentic. Because really, a lack of authenticity is fear and pride and hypocrisy. Every time that I fake it with you or anybody else, for whatever the reason is, I've fallen prey to hypocrisy. This is true. I'm faking it. Isn't that what hypocrisy is? It's faking it. Saying one thing, but really being different or saying something different. And I really believe authenticity is attractive. And I'll tell you, when you're up in rehab, you're not playing any games. It's life and death for you. It's life and death for relationships you have and for your family. It's pretty serious stuff. They get, they get really honest. I've got to sit in some of their meetings. I mean, you know what? Nobody's playing games. They don't, they, hey, I'm, I'm Joe. I'm an alcoholic and I'm not going to hide it. And I'm going to let all my stuff out. Now, I know that that can be weird and that can get out of control. But you know what? They have something so genuine sometimes that I go, oh my goodness, I think I'd like to go even though I'm not an alcoholic. Is because I love the authenticity. Now listen to me. Now wherever you stand politically, and I don't get too political. I know we got all stuff going on over. But I believe this to be totally true. I saw this. I listened to people. I read articles. Uh, and again, wherever you stand politically, one of the reasons that Bernie Sanders had so much support among millennials is they said he seemed so genuine. He seems so authentic. He seems like like one of us because the American people and public and especially millennials, they're absolutely tired of the political rhetoric, which is hypocrisy. But listen to me. The world is so absolutely tired of the religious rhetoric of the church. 
By golly, you could never go in the church and be honest. You could never tell somebody that you're struggling with that or, or maybe you're being prescribed a, an anti-anxiety med or an antidepressant. We could never share that because, you know what, we're, we're, we're having to, to cover up that we're marred and that we're broken. Nobody could say, well, you know what, I'm having a marriage problem or I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. That's why pastors, I such have a heart for them, is because they couldn't tell anybody. They're living in a, a secret life. You know what? I don't know how many days I have, but you know what? Authenticity is important to me. I want to go to a church where people are real. Now, I realize we've got to be careful. We can't just dump everything all the time on everybody. But you know what? It's all about looking good, sounding good. And, you know, Christians can fall trapped to this more than anybody. Because, hallelujah, God's good. I'm supposed to be great. Faith is supposed to be applied. You know what? And we really want to sometimes act like we got more together than we do. You know what? Can I just be honest with you? Your pastor didn't have it together. I know you know that. and Quit saying amen. No shout hallelujah, amen. I knew that. I am one broken human being. I am deeply flawed. I am deeply marred. I got lots of struggles. Yes, I, I do believe I love God. I do believe I've been born again. I do believe I have a pla- purpose on the planet to help people come to Christ and grow in Christ. But I want to tell you, and you know that, and I'm not going to hide it. And if you want a church, and again, this I'm not trying to be rude. If you want to go to where the, where the, cha- the pastor looks perfect, I'll tell you he's not. He may look that way, and the spotlight will make him look good. And because of the environment of church today, he'll have to tell you he is. But I get to sit with him when they say, you know what, I've got an alcohol problem. I get to sit with the pastors when they say, I've got a pornography problem. I get to sit with pastors when they say, you know what, I don't want to be married anymore. Oh, I just let the cat out of the bag. Oh, no. I'm in big trouble now. But they look so good on Sunday morning, and boy, can they preach, and boy, can they lead, and boy, are they, they great at communication. I can see Jesus and the disciples sitting around a campfire just being authentic. I want to be a church that would really focus on being a community of change, of connections, of healing, of authenticity. Got to get going here. Networking. No one group has it all together. We can't meet the needs of society by ourselves. We need others. Our focus is to network with other individuals and groups. And I can't go. Well, I'll go there real quick. First Corinthians. Maybe running behind. I should got to preaching today. Gosh darn it. Preachers. I don't know why they think they have to preach. First Corinthians chapter 12. And I certainly won't read the whole thing, but. Uh, let me read maybe a ver- a verses 4 through 11. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, and the same Spirit, to another the working, working of miracles, and another another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But the one and the same Spirit works all things, uh, distributing to each one individually as he will. Look over at verse 25. That there should be no schism in the body, that the members should take care of each other. Here's the point. With networking. 
God is not the author of independence in our lives as individuals or a church. God is the author of interdependence in individuals and churches. We need to work together. This is my theological understanding and belief is that if you're a born again Christian or this truly is a Christ filled church, we've received spiritual gift or gifts. And we need to use those together to network so God gets all the glory, honor, and praise. Most all the churches I've pastored over the years, I've helped them discover their spiritual gifts. And again, a lot of you have been in, in my past ministry, and, but most people don't know what their spiritual gift is. It's the purpose. If they don't know what they're supposed to do, how do you do it? And if a church doesn't know its gifting, how do we connect with others? And we're going to grow in that. Here's an idea I have, and I'm going to share it real quick. Most churches are designed so that you discover your spiritual gift, so you utilize it in that local church to build it up and make it the best that God wants. There's nothing wrong with that. That's been my philosophy for many years. I've got a different philosophy. I would love everyone in our church, Connection Church, to learn and discover their spiritual gift and use it not here, To build us up, but all to be deployed to use it somewhere else out in our community. I would love Connections Church to say, people go, those people over there, they're volunteering. Every one of them is volunteering at some other ministry or organization in our community. We come come here to help them discover and then deploy. Not that we get built up. Not that we have more programs. Not that we have a bigger church. But but we become a church that makes a difference out there. We're networking without them out there. What a novel idea. Never thought about it until about six months ago. Different paradigm shift. I want, and after the first of the year, we're going to break all these down. We're going to play, take plenty of time to learn spiritual gifts. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? We're going to have a list of all kinds of different ministries you can get, or organizations you can get involved with in Fort Collins. And what I'm going to hope is that, you know what, you'll say, you know what, I want to volunteer somewhere. I found out what my gift is, and I'm going to go out there and use it. Gee, Generosity. Generosity. Generous people are attractive people. Our focus is to help individuals develop the character quality of generosity in regard to their time, talents, and treasure. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I found this scripture years and years ago when I was pastoring in Oklahoma City, and and I just love it. Actually, let me give you the context of the chapter uh, of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It's a lot about giving, financial giving. All right? And in verse 7... It says this, but as you abound or you excel in everything, excel in faith, excel in speech, excel in knowledge, excel in diligence, excel in your love. Listen to this, but also see that you excel or abound in this grace also. The grace of what? Financial giving, generosity. I think generous people with their, their time and their money are very attractive people. The word generous means ready to give more. It means larger than the normal. It means willing as opposed to selfish. Let me, I'm going to reveal something to you right here today that's going to shock you. That's going to startle you. 
Are you ready? You better be on the edge of your chair. Because you're going to be able to tell everybody you heard it here today. You ready? Human beings are selfish. Okay, the cat's out of the bag. I let everybody know. Generosity, my friends, is the war on selfishness. It is so easy and normal to be selfish with our time and our money. We're an American. I deserve the right. I earned it. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I thank God for all of you who worked hard. We've all worked hard. But you know what? If God didn't give you the grace and the ability and the favor and the opportunity... Come on, let's none of us be that high and mighty that my money is really mine. I act like it. And Kathy and I have always been good, faithful. We've always tithed. We're tithers. We get 10% off the gross, too, not off the net. Guess what? We're givers, too. She's in the back today. She'll tell you. We're givers. We don't just tithe. We give. But when the Spirit of the God hits me sometimes and says give, I go, I tithe. God, didn't, didn't you see I gave that gift extra? And I've got to get fronted with my selfishness. I'm so stinking selfish. With my t- I told you I was marred and flawed, didn't I? Gosh, I, I want to be a generous man. It's a passion for me. Because it's attractive. It says to a lost world or to other people that I trust God more than I trust my own resources. I don't want, I don't want to go to the grave and be stingy even though I'm so stingy. I want people to say, gosh, that guy gave above and beyond. Matter of fact, if you look at First Corinthians or Second Corinthians 8 there, it says that the believers gave even beyond their ability. What about the widow? With the, the, the might she gave, you know, all these people were coming and putting their money in the treasury, you know, and, and they were like, they were, they were the Pharisee like me. I'm giving, uh, oh man, I'm giving the gross. Up the gross amount, and there's one little lady there, a widow, who's got one little coin on what she lived in. She gave that whole thing. Boy, does that make me look like nobody? Because she trusted God. I want to be a part of a church that's so stinking generous with money and time that they go... What's going on over at that place? Yeah, I know that they don't have a a big crowd. They don't have a building. But by golly, if you run into somebody that goes to Connection Church, they're some of the most generous people I've ever met on planet Earth. Oh, that would be a joy and a delight. And I think it's God's purpose and His vision upon our life that we're generous. Will that challenge us? Oh, my goodness. Last point. Broncos haven't kicked off. Come on, you're, you're all right. Bronco fans. Encouragement. 
To live a healthy, productive, and meaningful life, encouragement is needed. Our focus is to be a place, people in a place where great encouragement is provided. Real quick, go over to Hebrews. And we're going to kind of pull these things apart after the first of the year. But Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, this is beautiful. Hebrews 3.13. The Bible says, but exhort, it's the same word, encourage one another every three months if it's needed. Is that what your Bible says? But exhort one another. Focus. People circle that. Star it. Highlight it. Daily. Daily, while it's called today, lest any of you become hardened. When you don't get enough encouragement, you will become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. How many of you agree with me that on this earthly journey there can be many challenging, difficult, painful, disappointing, and heartbreaking times? Oh my goodness. If we're not careful, we'll fall prey to discouragement. And you know what the antidote for discouragement is? Encouragement. Encouragement is putting courage back in where it's been lost. I so long that we would be a church where people can come in here and find encouragement. And I don't know what it's going to mean to change and be a community of change. I know there's going to be app changes. We come up here, we look forward, we sing our songs, we listen to Nick. Or Rod in communion and listen to me. And then we turn around and we go home. And I don't know whether we're encouraging each other daily. So I don't know what that's all going to mean. But my friends, uh, people need it. Individuals need it. Listen to me, please. Marriages need it. Families need it. Church needs it. Our city needs it. Our nation needs encouragement right now. My friend, why are we here? Why am I still on planet Earth? Why, are we, why am I in Fort Collins? Why, why Connections Church? I'll say this last thing. We're not going to do our last song. It was video worship anyway. This thought hit me. See what you think. I'll leave you with this. Have we made the pharmaceutical companies of America wealthy because the church didn't take serious Hebrews chapter 3.13? Wow. Jeff, what have you been smoking? It's legal here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get an email or a phone call for sure. Hey, you know, Pastor Crabtree's been smoking that stuff. No, I eat, I eat edibles. No. <laughs> Smoking's bad for your lungs. <laughs> I wonder. We have an epidemic of discouragement in our nation. Even in the church. We have more people on 
prescription drugs, and I, I'm not saying, hey, I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to mental health issues. More than you would probably know. But I think some of the deficit might be because we're not doing our job. If we were really encouraging each other daily, and I know you can't do that with 100 people, but what about, what about your three? What about your 12? That's not to put a guilt trip, folks. It's to say, you know what? I don't want to live average. God doesn't have an average call upon our lives. We are to be a community of change. We are to help people connect, to find healing, to be authentic, to network with one another, to be people of generosity, and to be a church of great encouragement. I believe that's the bullseye. I believe that's the vision that God has now been revealing. And I believe... That's where we're going to start heading. I don't know what it looks like. I hope you're on the journey. Remember the the, uh, the children of Israel? They had to fo- uh, follow the uh, cloud by uh, cloud by uh, day and the fire by night. They didn't have it all figured out. They just had to follow God. I just want to do. I want to follow God. I want to follow God. I don't have it figured out. I want to follow Him though. I don't know how many more days I've got. I don't know what's going on in our culture or country. But gosh, I want I want to be a community of change. I want to be an agent of change. I want Jesus to get all the glory. I want to see people make be, be made well in his name. So all I can say to you if you want that, let's go. Okay? We'll have a little time to celebrate the holidays and some messages there after the first year. We're going to just dump into this and kind of pull it apart scripture-wise and look at it and get after it. You know what? I believe we're going to make a difference. If we're not, let me go play golf with the Rod. He's 42 today. But if we if we're to bring the kingdom to come, and we, we want to make a difference, we want a, a church full of great significance to impact our world, all I can say is what? Let's go! Let's get it done! It won't be nice and all packaged. It'll be ugly, and we'll make mistakes, and we'll fail, and that, that's okay. But we're family! And we're a community of change. Father God, in Jesus' name, just uh, lift uh, each person here. We've got some people that are facing some really, really hard times right now. My heart is for them. The Bible says we are to rejoice with those who rejoice, but we're to hurt and suffer with those who hurt and suffer. I pray your healing touch upon everybody in our church. I pray that they would get the needed encouragement that they need from this body to go, that's my family. Those people love me. Those people will stand with me. So Lord, I just thank you for today. Thank you for this new vision that we'll be unpacking in years to come. But thanks that you've made it clear to us now. We love you. Pray your blessing on each. God, heal our nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. Love you. Have a great day. Great week.